many years ago, long before I started studying for the priesthood, I was doing a bit of gardening work back in my hometown of Perth. And I got this job working for these two old guys, two brothers who had lived together all their life, never married. One was 79, the other one was 81. And they had lived in this house since they were about 11 years old. And as they showed me around the house, it became clear to me that they hadn't done any work on the garden since they were about 11 years old. It's hard to explain what this place looked like without it sounding like an enormous exaggeration, but I'm not exaggerating. The front lawn of this house, the grass was about my height. I'm six foot one. And this is not that sort of tropical savanna grass they get up in the north of Australia. This was just your normal, ordinary front lawn. The back garden, the grass was even higher. It took me a couple of days of hacking through this jungle until I finally created a pathway to the backyard. Every now and then, one of these old guys would come out of the house to give me some water. They never let me inside the house because I got the impression the inside was worse than the outside. But as they started to discover what was out the back of the garden, this guy told me a story. And he told me of when they were young boys and their neighbour had a tree which was always dropping seeds into their garden. And every day after school, their dad would tell them to go out and pull out the saplings that were growing up. This tree was like a weed as far as he was concerned and he didn't want any of this growing. And so every day they would diligently pull out these little saplings that were growing up but in the middle of the garden, there was an old 44-gallon drum. And one of these seeds fell inside and sprouted. There was a few little millimetres of mud and dirt at the bottom of the drum. And they looked at that and thought, there is no chance it will ever grow. And so they ignored it. They left it. And gradually, this sapling grew bigger. And eventually, the roots pierced through the bottom of the metal and reached the soil. And then gradually, as this tree grew bigger and bigger, it filled the drum and then eventually got so big that it burst the drum. And at that point, as we stood there in the back garden, he looked very solemnly and he said, and that's the tree. As this enormous tree filled three quarters of the back garden with branches so low that you had to scramble underneath them to get anywhere close to the trunk. It became this amazing image for me of the spiritual life. Jesus uses the image of the human heart being like a garden where, the, where God is planting good seeds and, and, and we are asked to care for the soil. And yet there are these seeds, the, these weeds being planted Constantly from our society, from our culture, from the things that we, that we read in the media. These little seeds of sin, of doubt, start to be planted. And God commissions us, gives us this, this, this calling to say every day, you need to go and pull out the weeds. Because if you don't, they will grow. 
and they'll take over. And I think this is where we find ourselves, this, this whole battle against sin. The battle against sin is really a battle for life. We need to step away from, once again, that, that sort of childish image of this, this God who is distant and angry, who creates arbitrary rules because he doesn't want us to have fun, and we just now play a game like every child does. How do you play the game so that you get the cookie, but you still also are loved by your parent? We need to recognize that, that this sin is death. It's death to the soul. It's death to our families. Because those saplings that, that get planted in your heart, that's the anger. That's the anger which is going to damage your kids. That's the lust which is going to destroy your marriage. That's the selfishness which is going to undermine every relationship. You can't stop those seeds being planted but you do have complete power over whether you pull them out. Whether you start to recognize that maybe those trees have grown too big and it's time to take an axe to them. In the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, there is a, there's a very powerful moment in chapter 4 of Genesis. And I strongly encourage you, pick up your Bible and read this. The story of Cain and Abel. Now, the story is far too big and complicated to go into detail here. But the basic point is that when, when Cain brings his offering to God and God says, your offering is not accepted, it doesn't exactly say why, but, but we assume because of something of what's inside his heart. And, and Cain gets angry, this envy, this this rage sparks up in him because his brother's offering was chosen and his wasn't. And there is this moment where God turns to Cain and he says, sin is lurking at the door. Its desire is for you and you have to master it. That commission given to Cain is given to every single human being. Sin is lurking at the door its desire is for you, you have to fight. You have to master it. You have to actively go and start pulling it out. You've got to get rid of this mess from your life. If you go to the letter of James, he, he uses a, a different image, but it's almost just as evocative. Where If I can read this from James chapter 1, he says in verse 13, no one, when tempted, should say, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. But one is tempted by one's own desire, being lured and enticed by it. Then when that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And that sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Do not be deceived, my beloved. You know, in a sense, James is using a similar image to that of the tree. But this is like an idea of a, a child you don't want who grows and becomes so big that it overpowers you. I think this is where 
in light of everything I've been saying about the love of God and the way that God's love wants to purify us. God's love sometimes is revealed to us in ways that are painful. To start to look at where it is that God wants to pull out the weeds. Where are these saplings of sin that have started to grow up in your heart? Or maybe they've now become full-blown trees. Things so big that you've become resigned to them. Where you've started to say, as so many others have said, that's just who I am. I can't change. That's, that's the word of defeat, really. That's the point where you say, that tree is now so big, I can't cut it down. God just has to put up with me. Everyone else has to put up with me. I'm just an angry, impatient, selfish person. That is not the truth. This is the point where maybe you need to declare defeat and recognize that you need a savior. Maybe this is the point where you need to recognize that you are about to hit rock bottom. If you allow this tree to keep going in your life, it will bring death. And you will reach a point where you have to cry out to a savior. But maybe you can do that before it gets bad. Maybe you can cry out for the intervention of God before it starts to do damage. Allow Christ, the gardener, to come and work in your life. You know, I often find it interesting that when Jesus rose from the dead, the first thing he was imagined to be was a gardener. You know, Mary Magdalene believes that he was the gardener in charge of that area. But maybe there was something John was saying there. He is the gardener of our hearts. Let him in. You know, I often think as well, there's something powerful in that image of Jesus as a carpenter. Because a carpenter creates beauty through violence. If you think of what a carpenter does, they take a tree which has some degree of natural beauty and they start to attack it first with an axe, then with a chisel, then with a saw, and they gradually hack away at everything that covers its interior beauty. And gradually the tools that are used become more and more refined as they start to expose the interior grain of the wood and shape it into something which really radiates the light and captures the real beauty. Jesus is a carpenter. He wants to cut away the dead wood in your life. He wants to cut away the bark, the, the defensive layers that keep you from actually radiating the love of God. And maybe he will use violence sometimes. Maybe, as I said in that previous episode, he will use things like illness, like failure, various disasters in your life. But this is where God is attacking those roots of sin. He's stripping away the ugliness. He's directly working on that brokenness in your life because he sees the interior beauty. And if you ever look upon a piece of carved wood that has been sanded and then varnished, you will see how the light captures the interior grain. 
That, I think, is the end product of the human heart, if you can allow God in. So allow God to work on the weeds. Do everything you can in your own power to pull out the weeds that are big enough for you to pull out. But for the ones that are too big, the ones that have already grown into big trees and placed their roots down into the soil, cry out for the Saviour and give him permission to do work on those parts in your heart. <laughs>